God is the God of fresh. God is the God of new. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, God says, forget the former things, for behold, I am doing a new thing. Someone say new thing. In other words, God says, I'm doing something fresh. God, in that passage of scripture, said, I once, I once delivered you, I once made a way through the sea, but now I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. And what you need to realize is that, let me everybody, God is always making a way. Amen? And the way he makes in one season isn't always the same as the way he made in the last season. And sometimes we find ourselves down um, at the sea wanting to, maybe someone's on the roof. We're just going to ignore it and press on. Can you imagine being, this is like when Jesus was preaching and like people were running around doing all sorts of crazy things. We're just going to lean in and, and do it. Amen? If I can. Here we go. Ready? Got this. I think so. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Now I remember. God makes a way. And what happens sometimes is we find ourselves sitting at the, sitting at the sea. Who is on the sea over here? You tell me to keep preaching? We just keep doing worship right now. Maybe we, maybe we just keep doing some worship. I will do my best if you do your best. We did this this morning because we're going to take an offering for a building right now. And so, listen, hey, here's the good news. We have all the money we need. Here's the problem. It's in your pockets. So we're going to. I heard a preacher do that one time, and I thought, that's awesome. I I'm going to steal that someday. Um, and that was my moment. There it was. So sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves stuck in life because, you know, the, the children of Israel are looking back to what God had done in one season and hoping that he's just going to do that again. But God's, no, I'm actually doing something fresh. What happens is in, in that is God's inviting you into intimacy with him. He's inviting you to stay close to him and not just to, to look back at old past things and, and hope that he you know, does that again, or that there's some kind of, like, system you hit play on. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you really, like, like Jesus never he healed somebody the same way twice? Do you ever notice that in Scripture? Like, one time he'd, he'd spit on the ground and make mud. Can you imagine being that guy? That, like, that's the thing God, that Jesus did for you. He, like, spat, made mud, and put it in your eye. Like, that's pretty gross. Like, why can't I be the one that you just spoke over? Why'd I have to be the, the mud in the eye guy, right? Like, why did Jesus do that? I, I tell you, one of the reasons I think Jesus did that is that if he always healed people the same way, what would we be doing? That thing. Like, someone, get, someone spit on the ground. You know, somebody, somebody like, we would, we would turn it into some kind of push-play type thing. It's, it's just a, it's a, like a autopilot almost. Well, God doesn't want you on autopilot. Does that make sense? He wants you in a fresh way engaging with him every moment, listen, of every day with every um, obstacle you face, God says, engage with me. I will make a way in it, but if you're going to see the way, you've got to engage with me. Does that make sense? And so God's keeping us close to himself. And I'm telling you, this is the year of new. This is the year of fresh. We asked ourselves a question last week. We said, what is the fresh work you want to see God do in your life? Some of you, you come in this morning, you got a new fresh work because it's, it's been a week, right? And now all of a sudden, I, I had my last week what I wanted, but here's really what I want to see God do. you got a new, fresh thing. Well, what I asked you last week, we talked about is you need to identify what is the fresh thing you want to see God do, but you also need to lean in and ask God to speak to you. God is a God who speaks. God, speak to me and show me the new thing that I need to do. Show me the fresh thing that I need to do. 
it's absolutely astonishing to me that we so desire to see God do a new thing while we're, we are not willing to do a new thing with our life. We want to see God do something new in our life, but I don't want to do anything new with my life. So God, would you, would you move and would you heal my marriage? And, and God, would you help my kids be grounded as they grow? But, oh, I don't want to show up to church. That's, that's new. And I don't, oh, come on. Sorry, everybody. You're here. I'm preaching to the choir. I don't want to go in and get counseling. I don't want to really open, you know. And, but God, do this because, well, I'm asking you to do that. It's your move. Someone say, it's your move. Tell your neighbor, say, it's your move. Once you identify what it is you're after and what it is God's calling you to do, I need you to understand that just because it's God, just because it's God asking you to do it, doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Doesn't mean that it's just like, it's, it's like God is going to sprinkle, you know, God dust on something and all of a sudden, it just happens. A lot of people think that way. Matter of fact, a lot of people feel like if it's not easy, then it's not God. Or that if it's difficult, God must not be in it. But that's, that's completely wrong thinking. And so what I want to talk to you about today and next week is that as you move forward into what God is calling you to do this year, as you begin to set out on this adventure of all the fresh things God wants to do in your life this year, I want you right now in this moment to decide how you're going to handle the obstacles when they come. How you're, going to, how you're going to handle these, these things that are going to try to slow what it is God wants to do inside of you. There are going to be obstacles. Welcome to church, everybody. Good morning. Come on, are you with me? There are going to be. We're not just going to talk about all the good and all the easy and all the, oh, it's just, you know, God dust. And it, no, 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 no. There are difficulties, and I need to look you in the eye and prepare you for it. Because if you're not prepared for it, you will faint when it comes. You will quit when it comes. But we cannot quit when the obstacles come. You need to hear this, friends. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not God. We often fail to forget it. We often, for, we often fail to forget that in every story biblically that we like to tell, think about it. Every story biblically we like to tell always has some sort of obstacle that was trying to set them back. They were always facing some sort of giant, David, right? They were always facing some sort of fortified city that looked impossible, you know, children of Israel walking around the walls uh, of Jericho. There's, there was always some kind of obstacle. So why would you think it's be any different in your life? I mean, you love to tell the story of David and Goliath, but you, you say, I don't want to be David, though. I don't, I don't want to have to face the giant. I want, I, want to, I want to tell everyone the story about overcoming. But, friends, you can never tell the story of overcoming unless you have pushed through something that you need to overcome. And when God calls you to, to greater, when he calls you to more, I'm telling you right now, you see it. You see the more. But what you often can't see are the obstacles that are waiting for you as you move to the more. That makes sense? So what I want you to do is decide up front how you're going to deal with the obstacle once you get to it. A lot of Christians go, well, it's hard, and so I quit. It must not be God. Can you, imagine if, can you imagine if Paul the Apostle had that attitude? If Paul the Apostle had that attitude, the gospel would have never gotten out of Jerusalem, right? Paul says, you want, to, you want me to tell you about my journey and walking with God and do all the fresh things he was doing? Can I tell you about how incredible it was to be shipwrecked and abandoned? 
how, how, I was, how I was stoned many times with rocks. With rocks, everybody. How I was whipped, how I was beaten. Like, that doesn't sound fun. But as he moved toward, you get it, right? The more. He had to face some difficulties. He had to face some obstacles. And if Paul would have had the attitude that a lot of, a lot of Christians today adopt of, oh, it's hard, therefore God must not be in it. No, no, there's an obstacle. You know, I, there's not an open door, you know, and, and if there's no open door, maybe we just, we just quit. If Paul had that, we wouldn't, the gospel would not have even moved forward. So, listen, you are going to face obstacles. God's still in it. He still wants to heal your marriage. Like, he, he still wants to help. He still wants to develop that ministry in you. He still wants to launch that business. He's, he still wants to. And just because you face the uh, obstacle doesn't mean that it's not God. What it means is you got to get some grit. I want to say I got to, someone say grit. Someone like grit. You got to have some grit. Like Paul has some grit. He just kept on moving on. He kept on pressing on no matter what he was facing. So we have to learn to deal with obstacles. First obstacle that I want you to be ready to deal with as you move into this new year. Maybe even an obstacle that you have to learn to deal with a little bit of backlash from this, from this last year, okay? And here's the obstacle. It's the obstacle of, of setbacks or the obstacle, I'm going to say it this way, of, of failure, okay? Listen to me. As you move forward, you will not, let me help you out, such free, you will not do it all perfectly. You won't do it all right. Hey, there's going to be people around you that are going to fail. Look at me. They're going to fail you. Is anyone, anyone, like, you with me, like, right? And that's easy to admit. Oh, yeah, people, all the, the other people. You will fail you. You're, you, will, you will have a call. You will have a, something God's asking you to do, and you're going to step out. And here's the thing. You might not be faithful. You might mess up. And what you do in the moment of your failure matters more than you realize. Because, see, failure, my friends, is not that you fail. Failure is that you don't get up when you fail. Failure is when you quit in the middle of your failure. Success, listen, success is not that you never fail. Most of everything we have that, that is incredible today came because there were people who pushed through failure. Edison, the light bulb, you've heard it, right? Thousands of times, failing, failing, failing before he got it right. Thank you, God, he got it right. Right? But how'd that happen? You push through failure, push through failure, push through failure, push through failure. So listen, you need to realize there is going to be a moment where you falter, okay, to prepare you for it. What are you, so the question isn't, are you going to falter, but what are you going to do when you falter? What are you going to do when you fail? That obstacle has the potential to to either put you in a place of defeat or move you into a greater strength of success. All depending on how you handle it. So how do you handle, how do you handle failure? How do you handle setbacks? Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Come on. Some of you, like, you're going to put this in your heart, and you're going to come back to these notes in, in, you know, four weeks from now. Some of you are going to come back to these notes tomorrow. Some of you are going to come back to these notes, right, because you're going to hit stuff. Some of you need this right now in your life because you're coming in here on the, on the you know, backside of, of failure. Something in your life, a place where you, you've messed up or some kind of setback. 
Here's what you need to hear. Listen, I want you to go to this verse. I want you to let it soak into your heart. Here's what God says. Watch. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Right? His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Great is God's faithfulness. God doesn't say, oh, oh, this, you're faithful. And, and, and God is looking at you for you to carry all of it. God goes, no matter what, even when you're faithless, even when you have faltered, he never fails. He never falters. His mercies are new every morning. He, he never ceases. He's, he's, he's always faithful. And so, friends, even in the middle of your faithlessness, you can depend on his faithfulness. I fell. I messed up. Oh, my gosh. What do I do? You let his faithfulness catch you, right? The fact that he will never falter catch you. His mercies never come to an end. Therefore, listen, therefore your potential never has to come to an end. Why? Because no matter how far I've fallen, no matter how deep that rabbit hole has gone, his mercy is still yet deeper to meet me there, to catch me, to wash me, to cleanse me, to put me back on my feet and help me keep moving forward. You need to remember in the middle of your failure, his faithfulness. You're still breathing. God's not done with you. So look at, just because you have a setback in a relationship, just because you experienced a bad relationship, just because you made a bad decision, just because you had a bad day, just because you had a bad month, just because, you know, you, you failed in one area, doesn't mean that you're done. It doesn't mean that it's over. It means you can hope again, his mercy says. You can hope again. You can believe again. You can dream again. You can have peace again. See, God's not done with you. I say it all the time. If you're still breathing, God is still working. That's what that verse says. His mercies are new every morning. His, he, his, he's consistently faithful, right? So what you need to learn to do is based on his faithfulness and his mercy, let your setbacks and failure be the things that you don't cause you to quit, but actually set you up for, for a, a comeback, okay? Someone say, someone say, let's call it a comeback. Let's call it a comeback. I want you to remember that. Say it with me. Let's call it a comeback. So when you fail, when you, here's what I want you to think. I'm going to call this a comeback. And I want to I teach you how to come back, right? If you don't learn how to come back or to turn your setbacks into comebacks, then what happens is you get stuck. Look at me. Some of you need to hear this because you're coming out of some sort of failure where either you failed, others have failed you, fill in the blank. And if you don't learn how to, how to respond to that properly, you will get stuck. Or what's going to face you in the future? You will get stuck. I meet so many people who are stuck. And here's what it, here's what it looks like, okay? They get stuck in the hurt. And I get it. They get stuck in the hurt. They get stuck in the pain. They get stuck in the circumstance. They get stuck in the failure, right? They get stuck. And some of you, you've come in here today and you're stuck. And I can, I can sense it when I'm talking to somebody because it always bubbles to the surface. What? All the hurt. And I get it. I get you've been hurt. All the pain. All the, and sometimes it's a, it's a poor me brokenness. Like you, you failed. 
on, on your behalf. And all you do is you, you constantly go back to the guilt and the shame of it, right? And then you wear it around, and I could feel it. I could feel it in talking to somebody because it, it just sits at the surface. And I always just wish I could, I could, I can get somebody to, to just to re-engage with God's mercy, right? Yes, I know that you've done, and I know that you, 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 you made that mistake, and I, and I know, it, but, but listen, can I remind you that he's faithful? Can I remind you that he's merciful? And can I remind you in his mercy and his grace that you don't have to wear, watch, that coat of shame around any longer? Like he came to actually literally deliver you from the guilt and the shame. So now I've, I've failed, I've fallen, I get it. I'm not going to live under it. I'm set free from it. I'm going to move forward. Why? Because I'm great? No, because he's great. Because of the cross. Because he's washed me, cleansed me. I can move forward from this. You see, I've got to learn to not get stuck. The Bible is filled with extraordinary stories of setback where a lot of people would have just gotten stuck. Think about it. Everyone thinks of David and Goliath, right? Let's go David. Did we also forget about David and Bathsheba? What if David got stuck under the guilt and the shame and the, come on, of Bathsheba? He could have lived his life rehearsing failure, rehearsing, right? But he learned that his mercies are new every morning. He learned how to move forward. He learned how to see that become, yes, it's a setback. He learned how to see that become a setup. He became an overcomer. Think about, think about Paul the Apostle. People are like, well, you don't know my past. Man, you don't know the things I've done. I can never move forward. Like Paul was like, like out killing Christians. Hello, did you hear me? Like murder of other believers. I can't even begin to comprehend. The, the weight of that on somebody, waking up every day, facing the reality of what you've done. But Paul found a way in his mercy, in the fact that although he had failed, his God will never fail. Amen? Think about, come on, like think about how real this is. You need to let this hit you. Think about, think about Peter. Peter betrays the Lord. And I'm going to talk, we're going to spend some time, in the time we have left on the story. Think about Peter. Peter betrays the Lord, right? At the same time, same time Peter betrays the Lord, there's this guy named Judas. And Judas betrays the Lord. Peter to a, to a servant girl. Come on, those of you who, you know your Bible, if you don't, I'm going to fill you in. Peter's with a servant girl. And, and she's like, aren't you, with, aren't you with that guy named Jesus? Peter's like, not me. She's like, you got an accent. You sound like you were hanging with Jesus. You, you have that same, like, Galilean thing going on. You, you got that slang like Jesus had. He's like, nope, not me. Push this one more time. It says that Peter cursed and he swore. I'm not going to do that right now. But he did. And said, I don't know him. I don't know him. Like, he just, I, it's not, he was just that, like, frustrated with the whole thing. And he denies the Lord. And it says at that moment that Jesus turned and looked at him. Because Jesus had predicted that moment. So Peter fell. Judas. Judas goes and he, he for, for 30 pieces of silver, points out who Jesus is so that Jesus can get arrested. He betrays the Lord. Now watch this. Watch. You move forward in time. And watch what happens with those two stories. One is the story of a comeback. And that's what God wants for you. 
Judas goes out and it says that he hung himself. He couldn't see a way forward. God's mercy was extended to him just as it was to Peter. God's mercy was extended. The, the, the truth of lamentations was over his life just as it is over your life, just as it was over Paul's life. It was there over, it was over, it was over Peter's life. It was, it was there over, right? But Judas couldn't learn how to engage in it. Judas goes out and hangs himself. Peter goes on to become a great leader within the church that God uses in a mighty way. Why? Because Peter knew how to, how to come back, right? He knew how to let the mercy and goodness of God wash over him once again. And you're going to need this in your life. Some of you on a daily basis, some of you on a weekly basis, some of us on a moment-by-moment basis, got to learn how to let that mercy wash back over you, that grace walk back, wash back over so you can move on. Amen? How do you do it? First of all, write this down. I got four quick things that you see in the life of Peter. You need to learn to reflect. Write that down. It's so important. Reflect. What happened after Peter denied the Lord? Do you know what it says in Scripture? Watch this. It says, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crows. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter said, remember the word of the Lord that he's spoken. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And watch what Peter does. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I need you to see that. It hit Peter. And instead of him giving Jesus a look like, what? Come on, some of us are like that. And it's important. You fail, and instead of letting your failure hit you, instead of admitting it, instead of just like, oh my goodness, you're like, what? There's a lot of people walking around today like that. What? What? I'm good. Like, no, you're not. Not at all. No, no, I'm good. Everyone sees it. People are calling out, but, and you know it. But instead of just going, you go, pride. And if you're ever going to experience the healing, look at me, of God, through his mercy, the first thing you need to do is admit that you need it. You, you have to, listen, you have to reflect. You've got to own it. You've got to be willing to admit where you actually are if you're ever going to move forward into what God has. If there's areas of sin in your life, what do you do with your sin? First of all, you have to admit the fact that you have the sin. And, and here's, what, here's what Scripture says, 1 John 1, 9. Come on, I'm teach you how to, how to lean into his mercy. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Oh, here's some old school hellfire brimstone preaching, right, or whatever you want to call it. Like, no one wants to talk about sins. Listen, I'm going to just tell you right now, you will fail. You're going to mess up. Let me give you a plan for when that happens. It's called confession. Good old repentance. Repent. What did you learn in church today? Repent. I should have called this point repent instead of reflect. Or If we confess our sins, what does that mean? To keep it really simple, you just agree with God. Agree with God that it's wrong. If you confess your sin, what happens? We don't, we don't keep talking. If you confess your sin, God's going to bring it up over and over again. If you confess your sin, we're going to have this big thing. Sit down, stare at it. And then, no, what? It's literally, if you confess your sin, the next line, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All you do is you, you admit, and God says, now, okay, we're, we're cleansed. Isn't that beautiful? Do you know God's more, God is more willing to forgive you and cleanse you than you are just to admit that you're wrong? We're like, but Peter, Peter, he's about to be restored 
And the first thing is he just lets it hit him. He just lets it hit him. And some of you need to let it, you just need to let it hit you. Like, where are you? Stop, stop letting your pride get in the way. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. Well, maybe, maybe some of it is your fault. Well, if he, if he wouldn't have, if she wouldn't have, hey, hey maybe, maybe we need to, do, you can't, you can't be in control of them. You can't be in control of you. First thing you do is draw a circle around you and go, okay, what's inside of me right now? Right? You still love me, church? You with me? I really want you to experience the, the, the man, the, the overwhelming mercy and grace of God. You first have to admit where you are. You know, I, um, you ever done a, you ever done a home, like, remodel or just something in your house that you're gonna, you gotta fix? And when you first see it, you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta get that. Tate and I used to have this ho- a house that, like, had this massive wall between the living room and the kitchen. And I'm, like, going, like, Chip and Joanna Gaines, we're going to bust that wall out. It's going to be a big open thing, you know. And here's what I did. I put blue tape up, like that blue, like, masking tape. I put that tape up to remind me that this wall needed to go and what it was going to look like if, when that wall was gone. And that blue tape framed it out, and I could just see it in my mind's eye. You know what happened? Six months goes by. There's blue tape up. Like, there's still just blue tape up. I don't even see the blue tape anymore. Like, people coming in, I know people come like, what the heck are these people doing? They got blue tape on the like, But I don't even see it anymore. Did you get the point? First, it was just so, like, it's blatant. You can see it. It's right there. I need to get rid of this. I need to, it's this big deal. And, and I didn't deal with it. I didn't just, I didn't just knock it out. I didn't get rid of it. And so I left it. And what happens is the things you leave in your life, you just kind of start to ignore in your life. And pretty soon you're like, what? What blue tape? What, what wall? What do you, you know what I mean? And so you have to admit where you are. You have to let the reality of what's in front of you hit you once again. Let me just preach a little bit more like, the, I, I call it the blue dot on your, on your iPhone, right? And you go, hey, Siri. Everyone's phone's going to be like, what? <laughs> yes. Hey, Siri, give me directions to Laguna Beach. It will give you perfect directions, but you have to start at the blue dot. God wants to get you where he wants you, but you first have to admit where you are. You can't start, he can't give you directions unless you go, here's where I am. And here's the beautiful thing about the blue dot, is that you can be anywhere, and God can still route you to where you need to be if you're willing to admit where you are. You get it? So you first, Peter, first and foremost, he, he let it hit him. He admitted that he, it was just like it broke his heart, right? It wasn't like, what, pride? Come on, some of you come in here and what? No, I didn't. I, stop, search your heart, okay? You need to learn. You need to learn to reflect. You're going to ask yourself some questions in this moment. It's like, okay, where did I go wrong? Be honest. Well, what can I do now? Well, what can be different this time? Like, when, once you own it, you can start to ask yourself some questions like that. You know, what can I learn from it? Here's a great question to ask yourself in this moment. What do I need to adjust? What do I need to adjust? Like, come on, I, what do I need to adjust in this, in this, in this moment, in this, my attitude, in my, in my, in my approach, in my, in my demeanor, in my, right? What do I need to adjust? Adjustment's so important. important. Those of you who go to chiropractors know, like, if you go and you can get a little adjustment here and there, it's going to save you from a surgery down the, down the line, right? And some of us, we just need little adjustments. So you don't end up needing full-on surgery. Just little adjustments. Look for those things in your life. Okay? Amen? Everyone say reflect. What's the next thing? It's called regroup. 
The next time you see Peter, who goes on to be a great leader after a great failure, is in Mark 16, verse 10. And what does it tell us in Mark 16, 10? It says, she went out to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. Do we have the next part of it? And it says, and Peter was there too. We missed the part of the verse. I'm going to fix it for second service. When you next see Peter, watch, he's, Jesus has been crucified. The disciples are brokenhearted. And Mary runs back, and it tells us that when she runs back, that they were all together, and the Bible makes a point and says, and Peter was there too, right? In other words, after he failed, think about it. He messed up in front of everybody. They all knew about it. Matter of fact, Jesus told him in front of everybody, you're going to mess up. And he was like, I will never deny you, Lord. But now he had messed up. What's the first thing you want to do when you, what's the last thing you want to do when you mess up? The first thing you want to do is run. The last thing you want to do is be around other people. The last thing you want to do is be around the people who know you've messed up. But what does Peter do? Instead of running from people, he regroups. Someone say regroup. Peter doesn't run. He goes to small group. Hey, isn't that funny? We got to, they're starting this week. Now, you can sign up today, right now. It's like in this moment, like off that connection card on you, that little QR code. It's exactly what Peter did. Instead of running from people, he ran toward people. He regrouped. He didn't hide. He went to small group. And that's often a lot because we like shame, guilt. We don't want to see people. And so it's, it's, it's ironic that in the very moment we need people most is also the same moment we want, you know, we want to ignore people most. You have to. If you're going to experience the, re the renewal of God in your life, you have to get over that. You have to face the shame of that. You have to face, just, just let God's people love on you again, right? Grouping is going to do a couple things. Grouping is going to lift you up. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. I'm give you verses. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. Do not become alone, friends. Woe to him who is alone when he falls and he has not another to lift him up. Well, I always know that somebody's walking down a dangerous path. path when they're moving into a place of isolation, and some of you have been doing this, you've been isolating yourself in COVID, you've been isolating yourself, you've been hiding from, listen, it's dangerous. Two are better than one. Regrouping is going to lift you up. Why? Because there's people there to lift you up. Grouping is going to provide you with wisdom. Listen to what Proverbs 11:14 says. 11:14, Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. Okay? But in the multitude of counselors, there's what? Safety. You got to get some counselors around you. You got to get some people around you. Do not try and do this on your own. You're not a not a lone ranger. Okay, grouping is also going to give you support. Galatians six two says this. Galatians six two says, "Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." You can try and carry that on your own, but I'm telling you, if you let somebody carry it with you, your burden becomes half as heavy as it used to be. Why? Because now there's two people carrying it. You're not supposed to carry it on your own. Imagine you get a whole small group helping you carry it, right? All of a sudden, you can do it. Why? Because God, the, the body of Christ, God's, God's family is helping you through it. So what does Peter do in order to, re, to 
to experience the refreshing, renewing mercy of Jesus. Guys, he reflects, he lets it hit him, and then he just regroups, he leans in. You're going to need this. Some of you need it right now. You need to regroup. Some of us keep getting stuck in the same place. Can't move past a certain spot because you've always gone at it by yourself. This time, look at me, it's going to be different. You're going to go at it with some, with some family in your corner. Amen? You're going to go up this year with some family in your corner. Build that, build that system in your life. The, the, the moment to build that system is not when crisis comes. It's, it's before crisis hits. And so build it now. Look at me. Build it now. God's word for you. Build a system of friends within the context of the local church so you can face everything that's, that's coming. Amen? So regroup. Reflect. Regroup. Don't you hate when preachers start everything with R's? Come on, everybody. I just couldn't help it. It just happened. And then what does Paul do? I'm going to call it rebounds. I'm on the rebound. In other words, Paul just kept moving forward. He, he, he didn't quit. You know, Peter, when you, he's hanging out with everybody, and now time has, you know, Jesus, Jesus goes to the cross. And they're in this moment where between when Jesus gave his life on the cross, they're all regrouping. And they're like, they don't even know what to do. Like, what do we do now? Jesus, and they go back to fishing. And they're out there fishing. They're out in the boats. They go back to what they knew and trying to figure it all out. And Jesus shows up. Picture that. Jesus shows up. The guys are out in the boat. And they're fishing. And Jesus shows up on the shore. Peter recognizes the fact that it's Jesus. He just failed Jesus, right? Jesus is now risen again, and he's on the shore. And it tells us that Peter jumped in the water. It's funny to me because a lot of people think that Peter jumped in the water so he could swim to the shore really fast to go see Jesus. I miss you, Jesus. I miss you. I don't think so. Can I give you what I, again, this is speculation, but I think it's pretty good speculation. Remember, Peter had just failed Jesus. Peter's broken. He wept. The last time he saw Jesus, he, was, he was, had failed him. He's weeping bitterly. Jesus dies on the cross. Now Jesus is on the shore. He's in the boat, and he jumps in to the water. Why? Here's what I think he did. And he's just hanging out in the back of the boat, just kind of fixing the nets, doesn't want to face Jesus, I think that's where he's at. There's a little bit of brokenness on him still. There's a little bit of guilt. There's a little bit of shame. He's hurt. He jumps in the water. But you know what Jesus does? What does he do? He calls him in. Come on, sit down and eat. I love that stuff. I mean, that story's great. They're out there trying to catch fish. What's Jesus doing? He's on the shore cooking fish. Like, <laughs> they're working. They're, they're striving. He's up there just already cooking. Just these eyes are for him. So he prepares a meal for them, and watch what happens. John 21. When they had finished eating, we can bring that up on the screen, John 21, 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, 
son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know I love you more than these. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. What's happening? For those of you who know that story, Jesus asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter... Jesus is using the word agape. Like, do you, do you love me, period, end of subject, Peter? And Peter keeps using the word phileo. He's like, Jesus, you know, I, I'm trying to get to this agape stuff, but I, you've seen me, Jesus. You've watched me. I, I'm not there. I, I'm, not, I'm not where I should be. This is the level of my love. I think it could only cap out here. And Jesus asks him three times. Peter uses that same word three times. What is Jesus doing? What, what is he doing? He's calling Peter to just keep Moving forward, he's meeting him saying, Peter, do you just, how much, do you love me a little bit? I think he's actually pointing out that Jesus is going, my love for you, Peter, is greater than your love for me can ever be. Right? But that's okay, Peter. You keep moving forward. What does he tell him? He doesn't wait for Peter to go, my love, yes, Jesus, I agape you. He doesn't wait for that. He, he takes Peter where he's at. Is that all you can get to? That's all right. And he gives, him a, he gives him his mission. Feed my lambs. In other words, look at me. Peter, keep moving forward. Notice Peter, it's not over. Peter, there's still ministry in you. There's still a call on you. Peter, there are still great things ahead of you. Are you not remembering what just happened, Jesus? Do you not, do you not realize, Jesus, how much I failed? Do you not realize how much of a mess I made? Do you not realize in the, in the moment I was supposed to stand is, is the very moment. Yeah, I went there with great intentions that day. And I was going to defend you. And I, was gonna, and I, I, I had these plans and, and I messed them all up. All of it. Like there's no way. Do you not remember? And Jesus kept going, just feed my lambs, Peter. Just, we're not done yet. There's still work. There's still something I want to do. Take, look at, take another step, Peter. And so because Peter had, he reflected, he'd owned it. Because Peter, he regrouped, he got around others. He finds himself here on the, what I'm calling the, the rebound. He's able to keep moving forward. Just keep pressing on. This this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. The other two things get you to this moment. Owning it, regrouping. But this is the moment. Like, okay, I'm just going to keep moving forward. Hey, church, look at me. Come on. That's the Christian life. You just keep moving forward. Think about, think about Paul the Apostle. Paul says, I haven't, I haven't attained it all yet. I'm not there. But I press on. I keep moving forward to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Have I gotten there yet? No. Can I just let you know something, church? You ain't never going to get there. But you're going to keep moving forward. And if you keep moving forward, you're going to get somewhere. And when you get to the somewhere, you're going to go, thank God I'm here and not back there. Why? Because when I was back there, I kept moving forward. I kept moving forward. And that's what the Christian life is all about. We just keep moving. Just keep 
moving. Come on, Dory, just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just keep swimming, right? Just keep, just keep on keeping on. But you can't do it alone. And all the while, in all of it, where's your heart and mind rest? What do you remember as our last R? His mercy. Peter sits down and he's restored and he's writing 1 Peter. Who wrote 1 Peter? Peter. And it tells us this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth. How does he know that? Oh, because he's lived into the great mercy of God. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. In his mercy he has given us a living hope. His mercy equaled hope. His mercy equaled hope. Because of his great mercy, Peter says, I still got hope. I still got hope. Because of his mercy, I'm going to keep pressing on. And you need this. Because whatever the fresh thing God's calling you into, come on, whatever the new thing that he's going to do in your life and, or is doing in your life right now, there's always going to be obstacles. And the obstacle will often, one of the biggest obstacles is going to be your inability just to keep your end of the deal all the time, right? But when that happens, be a Peter, right? Like, be a, be a David. David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba. Well, God still, do you know that Scripture tells us about David in, in the New Testament? And here's what God says about him. Come on, I'm closing with this, I promise. Do you know what God remembered about David? When the New Testament records David, here's what about, uh, there's just one line about David. It says this, David, so I, I put him where he was, God says, because he was a man after my own heart. And you're like, God, did you forget? Sure did. Because that's what mercy does. To call David an adulterer, an adulterer. Washed, cleansed, and a man after God's own heart. I don't understand that kind of mercy. I don't understand that kind of grace. But I'm telling you, it is relentless and it flows from the throne of God, never ceasing, never ending for you and I. Hey, can we just thank God today for his mercy? Can we thank God today for his grace? It's going to be a new year. And there's fresh things God's going to do in your life. There's great things he has for you. Don't quit. Keep pressing on in Jesus' name. Amen, church.